Well, hey there, everyone. I'm Daniel Hahn, and I'm the online campus pastor here at Oxford Assembly of God Church, and this is our podcast. And I just want to thank you for listening today. We hope the message you're about to hear inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you see that God has a purpose for your life. And now, let's get into the message. Today, I continue our series on the Old Testament prophets. Now, whenever I started this series, I really did not think it would be this long. But God keeps giving me different thoughts on different prophets. And today, we're going to look at one of the most popular prophets. It's a story of a fisherman's proportions. So, you know, it's about Jonah. About Jonah being swallowed by a huge fish. And yes, I believe it's a, a literal story. It's not an allegory. It's a real story. Someone once asked, uh, uh, there's a little godly lady that uh, always was talking about the Bible and carried the word of God everywhere she went. And one man asked her, said, ma'am, do you really believe that Bible? He said, I believe every word of it. Well, do you believe that story about a man being swallowed by a whale? And she said, well, the Bible doesn't say it was a whale. It said it was a big fish. But yes, I believe it. Well, can you prove it? She said, well, no, I I can't prove it. But when I get to heaven and I see Jonah, I'll ask him. And he said, well, what if you get to heaven and he's not there? She said, well, you ask him. (laughs) But as I was studying the book of Jonah over the few weeks ago, now most of you know, again, thank you for praying for us with COVID, uh, I'm doing well. I still do. My, my strength has not come back. And I've noticed, and some of you know, yes, I've been fully vaccinated. I did everything I'm supposed to do, but uh, got the COVID. And, and my mind's not the clearest at its best. But sometimes since this COVID is a little bit fuzzy, anybody that know what I'm talking about, you know, so I'm, uh, but as I was studying this book of Jonah, something jumped out at me, this was several weeks ago, about a different perspective and I've spoken on Jonah numerous times. But in order for me to preach this message this morning, I need your help. How many is willing to help me? Good, good. I want you to help me. And you say, well, how, how can I help you? Well, as we share this story, will you see if you can see yourself in the story? Now, I'm not asking you to be a whale. I'm not even asking you to be Jonah. But I'm asking you if you can see yourself or see if you can make a connection with the story. Because our society, the church, we need to see ourselves. The Bible says the scriptures are written for what? Our examples. And so I want you to look and just just see if you can see a connection. Where you can say, okay, that's us. That's us. Or we can say, that's you. Now, I hesitate saying that because there's a lot of people like to put it off on everybody else. But how many knows it's easier to see problems in somebody else than it is ourselves? I mean, you know, my wife thinks I'm 13th disciple, so don't tell her any different. (laughs) But the reality is it's easy to see other people's problems. But maybe you even say, well, you know... That's me. That's me. So are you, are you willing to help you? You're going to say, okay, that's us. 
That's you. That's me. Let's pray and ask God to give us wisdom to do that. Father, thank you for the opportunity of sharing your word. I miss being able to preach last Sunday and other times, but we thank you for allowing me to be here today to share the good news of God. Now, Father, I ask you to give clarity of thought and help us to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us and help us to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church today. Because, God, you're not speaking to this building. You're not speaking to this platform. You're speaking to the church, the body of believers. And so, Father, we ask you to minister to that, and we ask it in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Now, when I began to prepare this message, I noticed there was a number of players, more than just Jonah. See, usually we think about Jonah, and it's, as the old saying goes, we're so close to the forest, we can't see the trees. Yes, Jonah was a key component, and we're going to look at that. But as as John Doan, uh, the poet, wrote, he said, no man is an island. No man is an island entire of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. If a cloud be washed away by the sea, Europe is the last, as well as if a promontory were as well as if a manner by thy friends or of thine own were any man's death diminishes me because I am involved in mankind and therefore never to sin to know for whom the bell tolls it tolls for thee I think we all understand that we're part of a culture do you realize that you, you don't live by yourself you're influenced and you influence other people And as I was looking at this message of this story, I began to realize that we're all part of the story. And during the story of Jonah, Israel was not mentioned. If you read the book of Jonah, you don't see anything about the nation of Israel. But how many knows the nation of Israel was going on? I mean, life was still going, right? Israel was still facing problems. Just because it's not mentioned doesn't mean that they're insignificant. Well, what was going on in Israel? What was going on in Israel during the time of Jonah? Well, maybe we could say it this way. What's going on in America and our culture while we're meeting here together today? How many knows there's something going on? Huh? There's something going on while we're meeting together outside of the church. So what was going on in Israel during the time of the writing of Jonah? Well, let's look at just a couple of scriptures. In 2 Kings chapter 13, 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 5 and 6. Therefore, the Lord gave Israel a Savior. Now, I want you to understand, he's not speaking about Jesus. This is not speaking about Jesus. So they escaped from the hand of Syrians, and the people of Israel lived in their homes as formerly. Nevertheless, they did not depart from the sins of the house of Jeroboam, which he made Israel to sin, but walked in them, and the Asherah also remained in Samaria. Now, if you flip over to page to chapter 14 of 2 Kings, we see a little bit more connection. It says in verse 24, 
speaking of Jeroboam II, and he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from all the sin of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which he made Israel to sin. He restored the border of Israel from Lebahamoth as far as the sea is from the Arabah, according to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, which he spoke by his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet who was from uh, Gauthaver. For the Lord saw that the affliction of Israel was very bitter, for there was none left bond or free, and there was none to help Israel. But the Lord had not said that he would blot out the name of Israel from under heaven, so he saved them by the hand of Jeroboam, the son of Joash. That was a savior that he prophesied there a chapter earlier. Now, the amazing thing was this was during the time that Jonah was sent to Nineveh to preach the gospel or to share with them what God wanted to have. So while Jonah was doing his thing, the nation of Israel was going in a downward spiral. Society was doing okay. Economically, they were doing good. Jeroboam had rescued them to a degree, but he did not rescue them spiritually. So while we're meeting here today, while we're here at Oxford Assembly of God, where churches all over America are, re, uh, are meeting today, how many knows that there's a culture that's in a downward spiral? I said there's a culture that's in a downward spiral that only God can help them. That was the same situation that was going on when Jonah went to Nineveh. Now you say, why is that important? Because we need to understand that while we are doing church, while we're loving God and loving each other, that there's a world today that's the whole saying, going to hell in a handbasket. How many knows our world needs God? Our world needs God. Nineveh needed God. And God said, Jonah, I want you to go there. And while he was doing that, Israel, that culture, again was in a downward spiral. So let me just ask you, do you think that us as the church... Do you think the world, our culture here in America, with all the churches, with all the opportunity to serve God, that our culture is spiraling downward? And can you say that's us? That's us. And can you say that, yes, the church... Please understand what I'm about to say. The church is a lot to blame for our problems. The church has been silent. Yes, God was concerned with Nineveh. He said, Jonah, go to Nineveh. But as the, what I often say, meanwhile, back at the ranch, remember those westerns? Meanwhile, back at the ranch... Our culture is going further and further away from God. Are we willing to say that's us? That's you? 
Or maybe even that's me. Before we look in detail about Jonah, I want us to look at some other characters in that story. What about the sailors on the ship? What about the sailors? Even though the seaport was Joppa, and Joppa was in Israel, Joppa was the seaport basically for Jerusalem, but it was controlled by the Phoenicians. And the Phoenicians had many gods. They had many deities. But their main god was Baal. Their main god was Baal. And I think we could call these sailors the ungodly. They were the heathen. Maybe you know someone like that. Do you know any heathens? How many of you awake? <laughs> I know some of you are concerned. I, I, and let me go. I, I wasn't going to mention this, but right before I came into church during Sunday school, I checked the weather, and it's a 10% chance of snow in Wildwood. So don't let it get alarmed. So I can I, I understand some of you are afraid you're going to get snowed in. And you're apprehensive. But if you get snowed in, we got enough in the coffee shop. We can give you some coffee and all. So don't, don't, don't sweat it. But these sailors were the heathen. And maybe you know someone like that. Maybe you married to somebody like that. But you can say, that's us. Or maybe you're here today, and there's nothing to be ashamed of to say that you're a heathen because that's the, we were all heathens at one time. That's my, me. That's us. Now read with me in the book of Jonah. Now I'm going to have to preach fast so y'all listen fast. We'll get through this. Jonah chapter 1, verse 4. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners, or the sailors, were afraid. Now, these were not rookies. These were sailors. So we're not talking about just a little wind. We're talking about a storm. The mariners were afraid, and they each cried out to his God. Remember, they were heathens. They worshipped all kind of gods. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship, and had laid down and was fast asleep. I don't have time to spend here. But I can tell you, a lot of our problems today is because the church has been asleep. Those that's supposed to have been carrying the message have been sleeping. We haven't been doing what we're supposed to be doing. The storm was there, but this man had trust in God. He wasn't worried about a storm. But the sailors, the professionals were scared to death, and they had to go wake him up. So the captain came and said to him, what do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. We've already called out to my God, call out to your God, because perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said one to another, come let us cast lots, we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, 
tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? And he said, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Undoubtedly, when he got on the ship, he told him, said, I'm supposed to be going to Nineveh, but I'm going to Tarsus because I'm running from God. Then they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. And he said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for us. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land. But they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on his innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as, as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him in the sea, and the sea ceased from raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Now, I want you to know something. These sailors didn't have a clue. They did not know anything about Jehovah God. They worshiped other gods. They were heathens. And you say, well, they were just part of the story. And that's true. That's just like you and me and us. We're all part of the story. But as I read that, I was reminded of something years ago. Years ago, I just started pastoring and I was working at a secular job. I was a meat cutter at Publix. And at that store in the meat market, we had a station that we listened to all the time on the radio. It was not gospel. It was country. It was country music. But there was a commercial on that station that I heard regularly that got my attention. And I wondered if it was true. Now, I never found out if it was true or not because it was advertising a bar. And so I never went to find out if it was true. You say, well, what intrigued you? That commercial said, we're the best people in Polk County meet. I thought, is that true? Is it true? Now, if you knew the bar that we're talking about, if it's true, don't let me know. <laughs> now, you say, what, what are you saying? I'm trying to tell you that sometimes I get concerned when the heathen act better than the godly. These were heathens. And yet they did everything they could do to do the right thing. 
Isn't it a shame that sometimes Christians don't do that? <laughs> that wasn't even in my notes. That's free. <laughs> but I think sometimes I, I spoke to somebody this morning, and I'm, I'm going to tell you, this, this, this bothers me. I don't know if it's true or not. I've been told by a number of people that serves as waiters and waitresses that many people say, I'd rather work any time other than Sunday lunch because that's when the church crowd comes. And they're the rudest. I said they're the rudest, the loudest, and the cheapest. I want to tell you something. That doesn't speak real highly of the church. These heathens, and you know some heathens, I know some heathens. Some of those heathens are, act better than you and I do. They were trying to do the right thing. Sometimes you try to could do the right thing, and I commend you for it. But trying to earn your way to heaven will never get you there. We need to understand that. It's not about works. But what caused them to turn their life around? Where it says men, the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to God. I said, you didn't buy that. Let's go to somebody else. What about the Ninevites? Who were they? Who were the Ninevites? Well, it summed up pretty good in chapter 1, verse 2. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. They were evil, evil people. Now, if you go to chapter 3, notice what it says. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Now, the first time was before he went to the ship. This was after his experience with the, uh, with the fish. It says, rise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah rose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city. Three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go in the city going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least. So this bunch of heathens, these people that did not believe in God at all, when the message came, they heard the message and they believed the message. Folks, the people that are the rottenest needs to hear the message the most. These were heathens. These were ungodly. But when God sent the message to them, they believed it. And it says, the word reached the king of Nineveh, and he rose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh, by the decree of the kings and the nobles, let neither man nor boast, herd nor flock, taste anything, let them not feed or drink water, but let a man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. I want you to understand something that you know some Ninevites. You might even say, that's me. 
or that's you, or that's us. But the only reason that they don't know God is because some of them haven't heard about God. Some of the people that you dislike the most, that you say they're never Christians, it could be because they've never had the opportunity to know who Christ is. Verse 5 says, they believed God. How simple. How profound. I want you to know something. It was not them putting on the sackcloth and ashes. It was not them calling a fast. Nothing wrong with those things. But what changed their life was they believed in God. See, regardless of how evil, how hateful, how despicable someone may be. And you may be here today and say, well, pastor, I'd love to become a Christian, but I could never be good enough. You know what? You're exactly right. You never become good enough. But if you do what these Ninevites did and said, let's just ask God to help us. God will do that. So if that's you today, if you can say, if that's me today, I want you to know God will forgive you. Now let's, let's look at this principal character, Jonah. We know that this was not his first assignment because we'd read that earlier, remember? He'd already made a proclamation. He was a prophet I think we'd have to say from everything we read, he was a good person. But how I many knows good people have issues? I said, any of you know good people have issues? If you don't have any issues, I'll share you some of mine with you. None of us are perfect. What was he doing? Well, let's read what it says in chapter 1. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went to Joppa. Why? Because he wanted to get away from the presence of the Lord. I was a good person. And you don't have to say this out loud, but can you relate to that? Have you ever tried to run from something God wanted you to do? You've tried to get out from there? And you can say, Pastor, that's me. That's us. That's you. Because chances are we've all tried to do it at least once. May not have been as apparent. We may not be a prophet we may not be given a specific assignment by God, but how many knows it was just important if God spoke to them and said, I want you to go to your neighbor and tell them about God. 
Notice what it says in verse 10. Where it says, the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. He told these heathen, I'm running from the presence of God. And then verse 12, he said, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it's because of me that this great tempest has come upon us. Why? Why would he want to run from the presence of God? But can I bring this home and say, any of you say that's me? Because I've been afraid to submit to God because I'm not exactly sure what he asked me to do. Well, see, a key component of the story is one that's often missed. How many knows that sometimes self-denial is, or deny the truth is real? Now, this is where I really need your help. Because in chapter 4, we find where Jonah sheds a little light on something. Where it says, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. Now, what was he angry about? All these people that were supposed to die lived. I will tell you something. I would be so excited... If God gave me assignment and I went and fulfilled that assignment and everybody I spoke to got saved, I'd say, that was pretty good. But not Jonah. He said, oh Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you're a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. What was he saying? He said, God, I knew he was going to do that. Reason I didn't want to go to Nineveh is I knew they was going to have revival. And instead of you destroying them, you're letting them all live. You say, that's, not what, yeah, that's exactly what it said. You see, we need to understand that something. Racism, intolerance, prejudice are real. And I know, in my opinion, the race card is used too often. But the reality is that Jonah, this godly person, ran from the presence of God because his hate for others overruled his love for God. I knew it was going to get quiet there. I'm going to go back and read Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12. Deuteronomy. And now Israel, what does the Lord God require of you? Now church, 
See, church is the New Testament equivalent of Israel. What does the Lord require to you? But the fear of the Lord your God, to walk in all of his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I commanded you today for your good. You say, well, that doesn't say too much. Make it a little clearer. Well, let's flip over a couple of pages to chapter 16. Verse 18. You shall appoint judges and officers in all your towns that the Lord your God has given you according to your tribes, and they shall judge the people with righteous judgment. You shall not pervert justice. You shall not show partiality, and you shall not accept a bribe, for a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and subverts the cause of the righteous. Justice and only justice you shall follow that you may live and inherit the land your Lord God is giving you. And I know some of you say, well, pastor, you realize that's Old Testament. We're under grace. Well, let's see what Jesus said. How many know Jesus knows about grace? <laughs> Jesus chapter says in Matthew chapter 23, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe men and deal in common. Now, what's he saying? You're so careful about giving what's supposed to be given, but you have neglected the weightier matters of the law or the more important things of the law. Justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides straining at a gnat and swallowing a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate that the outside also may be clean. Can any of you say that's us? That's you, that's me. Now, I'm glad we don't have to end the sermon there. Because, man, that's a, that's, a, that's a rough spot to end. Well, where would you end it? Well, I'm going to tell you there's one element throughout the book of Jonah. Throughout the book of Jonah that's a constant in the story. How many noticed that Jonah, Jonah was not a great example? That... The sailors were not a great example. But there's one constant in the story. And I don't know if some of you say, well, okay, pastor, what's the constant? Well, let's look in chapter 1, verse 9. And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Our God is an almighty, all-powerful God. And in the midst of Jonah's dilemma, he said, my God is mighty. Go to chapter 4, verse 2. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? This is why I made haste. For I know that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. 
I can tell you if you get nothing else from the message today, you can understand something. Our God is a gracious, merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. Regardless of how low we have sunk, regardless of how bad we've been, regardless of our history, regardless of our background, God loves us with an everlasting love. Chapter 4, verse 11. This was God speaking. And he said, And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 people who do not know their right hand from the left? See, God still looking for people that he can save. He's not willing that any should perish. That's the reason he gave the commission to disciples. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. You know what's one event that happened in Joppa in the New Testament? Kind of interesting. What happened in Joppa? That's where... Peter and Cornelius had their connection. When God spoke to Peter and said, well, God is cleaned that no man call unclean. He told Peter, went against all of his training, all of his heritage, all of his religious upbringing. He said, I want you to rise and eat. But I want you to know it's more than the food. He said, I want you to share the gospel, the good news with this man called Cornelius. Church, God is not finished with us yet. You say, why would you say that? When he finished with us, we'll be gone. But while we're here, he's got a commission for us to do. I've got to share with you Jonah's prayer. See, we haven't talked about Jonah's prayer, but notice in chapter 2, where it says, I called to the Lord out of my distress. Where was he? He's in the belly of a fish. Where are you? You're not in the belly of a fish. You may be in all kinds of turmoil and problems, but if God can hear Jonah's prayer from the belly of a fish, he can hear prayer from here in Oxford Assembly of God. I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, and the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. And then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall look again upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. At the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed on me forever. Yet you brought me up by my life from the pit. Can any of you relate to that? That's me. He brought me out of the pit. Oh, Lord, my God, while my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with a voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. 
The only hope we have is not how good we are, but is our relationship with the Lord. Salvation is of the Lord. So what about it for you? As we ministered today, did did the Holy Spirit nudge and say, that's you? Or did he nudge and say, that, that's me? That's us? And I know every one of you say, just like I do, Pastor, Lord, I can't speak for everybody. Yes, I pastor a church, but I can't force anybody to do anything. But there's a great scripture in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone, that means you or me or them or us, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and sup with him fellowship with him eat with him and he with me it's God's desire that we come to his presence not be like Jonah run from his presence you say well I don't know what God's going to (laughs) do neither do I but I can tell you what after I've allowed God to do something I've never regretted it at all But I can also tell you that every time I've argued with God and I won, I lost. Did you catch that? If I ever argue with God and I win, I lost. So what about you? What about me? I want to heed the word of the Lord. I want to listen to his voice. I want to be in his presence. Worship team, come on up and let's sing that song we sang first service this morning. Let's bow our heads in prayer. I don't know if this message spoke to you like it did me. But maybe you saw yourself somewhere. The Holy Spirit spoke to you and maybe there's the spirit of running from God, not wanting to yield to Him. Maybe rebellion, prejudice, maybe not willing to just trust Him and realize that that the Lord is our salvation. We want to pray and close this service in time of prayer, in a time of worship. If you're here and you need prayer, maybe you've been here, if you're here and you've been running from God, that's you wants to pray with you we're here maybe you have an issue with unforgiveness bitterness anger turn it over to the Lord Holy Spirit we ask you to minister by your power do what man cannot do I can't minister to the innermost being but you can you can set at liberty those that are bound you can heal that unforgiveness you can remove that prejudice you can minister and restore love 
And God, we just ask you to do that. We give you praise in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen and amen. On behalf of our pastor and staff here at OAG, we want to say thank you. Thank you for being a part of our ministry. We are grateful for you and the support you give our church and its ministries so that we can continue to do what God has called us to do, to be the family church for the family of God. For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God, check out our media website at oag.church/media.